So thanks again, Diane, for reading the passage to us. Today we're looking at uh, John 11, the story of Lazarus. And um, it's a story you should be familiar with. A man raised from the dead after four days. So we can say categorically that he was very dead. There's no doubt that um, resurrection power was at work, um, that this was a miracle. He hadn't slipped into a coma. Uh, He hadn't gone to sleep for a long period of time. He was dead. And even uh, John gives us a description when Lazarus is raised from the dead, that he was wrapped in burial clothes, that he came out of a tomb. Our God is a God of miracles, a God of the impossible, and he never changes. That happened 2,000 years ago, and God is still the God of miracles today, which is fantastic for us. So it's clear from this text, as, you, as we start sort of towards the start, that Jesus was in another place about a day's journey um, away with his disciples. And um, somebody came to let him know that Lazarus was unwell. And we read in verse 4 that Jesus says to his disciples, This sickness will not end in death. Know it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea. So Jesus knows that he can't go too soon. Um, He needed to let these events run their proper course. And so he waits for two days, which when uh, you hear that somebody is ill, you want to go and be with them right then and there straight away. But because Jesus is listening to the voice of the Father, that is where he gets his response from. We respond to outward circumstances all of the time, but Jesus only responds to the voice of the Father. He's in constant communion with the Father. Uh, And and particularly in these days, I think that's really important for us to think about is how do we respond in difficult circumstances and situations where um, we feel like we want to be there, we want to sort something out or there's fear, or there's anguish, or there's grief, and we respond to those things. But Jesus, in this passage, we see clearly, even though he was a very good friend of Mary and Martha's and of Lazarus, that he responds to the voice of the Father, and the voice of the Father says to wait. Um, And so we actually know, and we can work out, that um, if it was about a day's journey away, and Jesus waited for two days, and then traveled for a day, that actually just after the messenger left to um, tell Jesus that Lazarus was sick. Lazarus must have died. And um, as was custom in those days, he would have been buried pretty much straight away. So um, he had been dead and buried for uh, four days when Jesus came. But as Jesus is about to, to leave um, and he's responding to the Father's timetable, he invites his disciples into the story and he says, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. And as usual, the disciples aren't really on the same page as Jesus. And they say, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus has been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So Jesus had to tell them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And so they travel to where um, Lazarus and Mary and Martha live, which is um, a little town called Bethany. And they're greeted as they're coming into the town by mourners. Martha hears that Jesus uh, is on his way and she goes out to meet him. And again, we read in verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And so even in her incredible grief, Mary shows faith. She shows faith in the resurrection power of Jesus, but she doesn't understand how that power is going to be realized in this situation. And the same for us is that when resurrection power comes, it tends to come in ways that we don't expect it. Martha was expecting resurrection in the last day, but Jesus had another thing in mind. And in these uncertain times, as normal has changed for all of us, and our circumstances have changed, that normal actually has died a death, and we're thinking, when will it be resurrected? When will life come back to normal? Maybe one of the questions that we need to ask is, what is it that Jesus wants to resurrect in our lives? Let's not just go back to normal, but let's see what Jesus wants to restore. You'll have heard and probably seen on social media quite often a bit of a tagline which says that normal isn't working. And that's very much true, is that a lot of the normal in our society has not been good, has not been healthy, and we're learning new rhythms and new patterns all the time in life. Um, and so a new normal is maybe a good thing. What in our lives needs to remain dead at this time? What do we need to leave in the grave? And what do we need to pick up? These are very difficult questions for us to answer on our own. But Jesus is here with us to help us to answer those questions. Getting back to our story, uh, Martha goes to get Mary. And uh, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And so these, both of these women um, present the same level of faith. You know, Jesus, you could have healed him. And she was right, but she wasn't aware of the greater plan. So when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? She, he asked. Come and see, Lord, he replied. They replied, and, and Jesus wept. And so this line, Jesus wept, it's one of the shortest sentences in the Bible. A lot of people um, would, would tell you that. It's quite famous for that. But I think what, what's fascinating about this is that, that Jesus wept even though he already knew that Lazarus was dead and even though he knew that he would raise him from the dead again. And, um, you know, some scholars kind of sometimes hypothesize, you know, that part of this experience of Jesus being very emotional at this time was his awareness that he was going to the cross, that he was going to be leaving a lot of these same people and going through death and resurrection. And that might well be true, but what we see as well in Jesus is that Jesus is living fully in this moment with these people, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, the people that he loves and he longs to be with and so probably the simplest way for us to describe Jesus' emotion at this particular time is empathy. To the ability to feel the pain of others, 
And many of you have experienced that where you see uh, the pain in others, maybe someone who's mourning, and you feel their pain as well. And Jesus' empathy looks like tears and it looks like pain. He's troubled because they are troubled. This doesn't make him weak, but rather there's a beautiful strength in one who can identify emotionally with the pain of others, even though he has the solution to their problem in his hands. And that really struck me as I was uh, preparing for this, is that Jesus had the answer to their problem. He could have taken away their pain, and yet he chooses to enter in fully to their pain at that moment. And I find that very challenging for me too, is that you know, for someone, um, I'm involved in a lot of compassion ministry, and particularly at this time, to do with food bank and different responses that we have as a church. And when you have the answer to someone's pain, it can be quite easy to provide that answer and not get emotionally involved. But the challenge that, that I find in this passage is if I want people to experience not just practical compassion, not just practical help and support, but I want them to experience something more and that something more is Jesus, then I have to involve myself emotionally in these circumstances too. Because as much as practical help it is great. I want to give people Jesus because that is true help. But the only way, way that I can give people Jesus is to allow him to come and transform and change me because me on my best day is all right. But me on my best day with Jesus and his love and his compassion for people who are broken and mourning and suffering, for people who are experiencing different types of death in their life, I need to give them more. We need to give them more. We need to give them Jesus. And so Jesus, who is God, chooses to involve himself fully. And so the story moves on and everyone goes to the tomb. And there's a moment where the story could change completely because Jesus actually involves everyone else in the miracle. And he does that quite simply by saying, move the stone roll the stone away. And this causes a bit of consternation. And, and Martha says, you know, if we move the stone away, there's going to be a smell because he's been dead now for, for four days. And I was thinking as I was preparing, imagine if she had said no. Imagine if the family had said, no, we're not going to do that. We don't want um, that to happen. You know, what if he doesn't get raised from the dead? What if there's a smell? And they participate, they do their part, a very small part in the miracle, which is to roll the stone away. And again, when there's death and when there's pain in our lives, we need to be prepared to welcome Jesus in. And it requires participation on our part to metaphorically roll the stone away, to roll the stone of our heart away, to roll the stone away to reveal our brokenness and our hurt and our pain to allow Jesus in for a miracle to happen, a resurrection miracle to happen in our life, for a new life to come to broken areas in our life, in our heart, in our experiences from the past. We need to be prepared to rule away what we have put in place to protect ourselves and to keep ourselves from further pain. And so we read in this passage um, a very interesting prayer uh, that Jesus prays because it's like a little window into his conversation with God. And he says, um, 
So they rolled the stone away. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. It's interesting when Jesus prays that he doesn't even pray words of command. He doesn't say, um, you know, uh, be healed. He says, thank you. He thanks God. He doesn't sort of cry and, and, and beg God to do something. In constant relationship with the Father, he thanks him because he knows what the Father's heart is and what the Father is going to do. And so in this story, we see the miracle that happens. And everyone is so shocked that Jesus actually has to say, can you take the grave clothes off him? They don't know what to do. This guy comes out, he's covered in, in grave clothes, but they can see that he's alive. And there's probably part of them that's thinking, you know, according to the Jewish law, we're not allowed to touch a dead body, but he was dead, but now he isn't dead. Is he, is he unclean? Is he clean? And Jesus has to break through all of that and all of the shock and say, just, let's just take the grave clothes off him and let him live. And I'm sure at this point in our story, there were more tears. There was more deep emotion. Probably the same level of emotion that they experienced in mourning is there again. The same tears, but this time it's joy at resurrection life. And in our pain, in our grief and in our confusion, Jesus comes and he comes with a solution because he is God. But he doesn't come as a divine fairy God, Father, come to grant us wishes. He comes in the fullness of himself. He comes with his emotions. He comes with his personhood, with his love, and he responds to us. And, and John, the, the writer of this gospel, makes it very clear that Jesus had a real love and a compassion specifically for these people, for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. But the Bible also makes us clear that we are God's dearly loved children, that we get to receive this same Jesus into our life, not just as someone who's gonna, uh, we can pray to to get things, but someone who wants to be fully involved with us, who wants to connect emotionally with us. He wants to reveal himself in the fullness of his personhood. And as I was thinking about this, you know, I was thinking that you know, after this resurrection, they probably did something together, like just had a meal. They, did, they would have done something completely normal. And yet with Lazarus being there, having been raised from the dead, and Jesus being there, and we're thinking, he has the power to raise people from the dead. We're eating a meal together now. We're doing a very normal thing, but Jesus is here and if there was any doubt in their mind ever that he is God, that's all gone now. And the, the humanity and the divinity of Jesus come together in this picture in a way that, that actually goes beyond our thinking and our structures and beyond the boxes that we try to put God in. Jesus is there with these people, tears still in his eyes, and yet he has the power to raise people from the dead. And that is the kind of Jesus, that is the person of Jesus that I want you to know. 
but I want people who don't know Jesus to know. It's a person of Jesus that I want to know more and more each day. And we also get to experience this resurrection life. In Ephesians 2, 4, it says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our transgressions. Um, And in this story, Jesus calls Lazarus. When he raises him from the dead, he calls him by name. And I'm sure during those days when Lazarus was dead that many people called his name. Many people called out in grief and cried over his tomb, cried over his body. But when Jesus speaks his name, something different happened. Uh, And I was uh, was thinking as well about what Al said last week, how the... Jesus being presented as a shepherd says that the shepherd calls his sheep and his sheep know his voice. And we see in this moment that Lazarus, even through death, hears the voice of Jesus and responds. And because of Jesus, voice is raised from the dead. And I wonder, did Jesus shout, Lazarus, come forth? Because he wanted to be specific. Maybe if he just shouted, come forth, because he's a power over death that maybe multiple graves around that area would have opened up and multiple people would have been raised from the dead. Because if Jesus can raise one person from the dead, he can raise many. But he calls Lazarus by name and he calls him from death to life. And Jesus is calling us again from death to life. And we talk about that when we talk about people coming to salvation. And if you've never given your life to Jesus today, maybe today is, is a day when you would give your life to him But maybe there are areas of death, areas of brokenness, areas of darkness in your life that need resurrection power, that need transformation today. There's a wonderful song, it was written a few years ago by a woman called Amanda Cook, uh, all about this story about Lazarus. And it says uh, in one of the verses, you stood beside my grave with tears still on your face. I heard you say my name My night was turned to day. You came, I knew that you would come. And you sang, and my heart, it woke up. Now I'm not afraid. I see your face. I am alive because you came, and I knew that you would come. And Jesus specializes in bringing dead things back to life. Resurrection powers available to us through Jesus at all times. And he calls your name this morning. He's calling to you this morning. He's calling you from death to life if you've never given your life to Jesus before. If you have, he's calling you into more life and into more fullness of life. He's calling into the dark and dead places of your life. He's asking you to roll the stone away so that he can bring more life to you. So as it says in Hebrews 3, Verse 15, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Respond to him. And when we hear the words of God, we must realize, as Peter did in John 6, that he has the words of eternal life. Where else can we go? Particularly at this time, we realize that we've placed our hope, our faith, our trust in other things. And a lot of those things have been taken away from us or have changed fundamentally. And we're faced again with the realization that unless we go to Jesus, 
for life and true life. We're just placing our hope and our trust and faith in dead things, in dead places. What we also realize when we think about going from death to life is that we have a resurrection story to tell, that our story is a story of resurrection. We do that when we get baptized, you know, it's a symbol of us going from death to life and we often invite friends and family to a baptism and we share the story of of how Jesus has brought us change and transformation. And the resurrection life that we have is not just after this life, it starts now. And actually, if we just kind of think about becoming a Christian as being a ticket to heaven or a way into heaven, we, we fundamentally miss what Jesus wanted to do. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life in all of its fullness. And the, the heaven-bound life, the heaven-focused life starts now. And in fact, Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven was to come from heaven to earth in our lives. And so we get the opportunity to start living in that life and to live more fully in that life every day, to move further away from death and closer towards the life that Jesus has for us. And so this morning, will you let Jesus in to the dark places, into the dead places of your life? And this is the mystery of resurrection life, that our souls are turned from a tomb to a home as God himself takes residence in us and breathes life into us, transforming us from the inside out. And so my prayer for you today is that wherever you're experiencing darkness and death in your life, those areas maybe in particular of your life that have you've hidden away because of maybe sin or, or things done to you, or bro- different areas of brokenness. You know, we hide little things away and we, we cover them up, a bit like a tomb that's covering up something that's rotting away. And we do that in our own lives, in our own hearts, and it damages us over time. And the more we understand, the more we know Jesus, the more willing we are to open up and to let him in and to respond to his voice as he calls our names. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your resurrection life. We thank you that you come into all the dark and dead places of our life and you breathe your life. You call us by name and you draw close to us that we are your dearly loved children. And so we ask just this morning that you would come and that you would bring life to us right now. And so God, we open up those places where we've been wounded, where we've been hurting, the things um, that we've hidden away and closed away from you and rolled a stone in front of. We open those up, God, and we, we welcome you in, knowing that you love us, that you're for us, but you also have the power to change us and transform us. We thank you for your love and your mercy. We say, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Um, If you don't know Jesus this morning and you would like to know him, if you'd like to give your life to him, uh, we have a helpline available after the service and you can ring that and somebody will have a chat with you. If you um, have 
a feeling that God's maybe been speaking to you in any other way this morning and would like someone to pray for you. Again, our helpline is available. You can call that after the service. If you're sick or somebody that you know is sick and you would like prayer, please uh, just take the, the time to pick up that uh, uh, phone and ring and somebody will be there to pray with you. God bless you. Thank you.